I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Guys, we are here for with our Hollywood Life podcast, podcast from home. I'm at my home. My co-anchor, Ali Stagnita. There she is. She is at home as well. And we are so lucky today to be joined by two fabulous sisters, Laura and Vanessa Morano. And they're at home. Hi guys. <laughs> Hey, I have to say one positive of this time is we're in LA, you're in New York, you're on the East Coast. How great that we can actually make this happen right now. Exactly. Such a good point. And last year this time, you guys were actually here with me. You came into the office, but it is so good to be able to connect coast to coast. And we so appreciate you getting up early because it's still quite early there. It is, but what is time anymore? (laughs) Anymore. (laughs) Anymore. Days just blend. Now, I'm surprised that the two of you are in separate houses. Are you close by at least? Yeah, we are. We're close by and we are seeing each other. Um, I think, to be honest, it's actually a really, a, a nice thing in some ways because when I go to Vanessa's backyard, I feel like I'm taking a vacation. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to have like a little bit of variety of, of where I'm going. Um, because if that wasn't the case, I would literally just be stuck with my yeah. stairs and a wall. <laughs> At the beginning of the quarantine, we were very much playing it safe. Um, Laura and I didn't see each other. We didn't see our parents. We were doing our our weekly Sunday dinner via Zoom, which by the way was a nightmare Um, because technology and trying to tell people how to use technology who don't usually use technology. I'm only talking about my father. Yeah, it's my father. was just a trip. Um, And then I would say about like two months in, we were all very cautious about making sure we didn't go anywhere without a mask, making sure we didn't leave for only essential reasons. So we've been able to see each other in person, but even with seeing each other in person, Laura and I are being very, very cautious of making sure that we still keep a distance. We keep a mask on. And if we are eating together, because again, we do that on Sunday, we do it outside with my parents and we're all like, we've invested in a TV dinner trays. (laughs) (laughs) We sit outside in our little like, Oh, that's a great idea. I think I saw I saw a picture of that on your Instagram on one of your Instagrams. I think <laughs> it was so for um, Father's Day. We were oh, doing like, yes. a Father's Day situation, and um, yeah, we all were like drinking champagne in a distance. It was fantastic. Well, I hope that everybody who is listening to this podcast and watching our Zoom um, really takes the advice that you're giving because this is a proper way to do things. You can see your family. But 
this is a great suggestion. Get those little TV tray dinner tables Absolutely. so that you can all be in your backyard and yet still be completely safe um, and be together. Yeah, I, I think we, it's up to us to be as diligent as we possibly can. And I think we can be diligent and we can be safe with still very slightly expanding the locations that we go. And as long as it's outside, I, I, I think you're, you're good to go. And wearing a mask. I mean, I think that it is so important to do that. Um, it's not that difficult to do. Uh, and there's you know, so many cool ones now. There's so many cool ones. You know, uh, my dentist has personally been doing it for years uh, and she likes <laughs> it. So, you know. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Think about the dentists, all the medical professionals. And, you know, it's part of uniform. We like women and men in uniforms. We do. Oh. We love a uniform. <laughs> yeah. So masks can be sexy, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Protecting us. I love it. Yes. Well, protecting us. Now, you two, though, have not been idle, even though you've been at home, and you have some really important news, com news happening in a very big day coming up. July 30th, is World Against Trafficking Day. And that is something very meaningful to you and you're gonna be hosting a panel about it. Do you wanna tell everybody what World Trafficking Day is about? Yeah, yeah, so uh, World Day Against Trafficking is a UN- World Against, yes. <laughs> it, there's so many words, trust me, when I first um, Got told the day I kept switching. And it's World Day Against Trafficking Persons. Yeah, by the uh, way, that's the full day. World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. But obviously, we can't do much in persons right now. So, <laughs> we so, World Day Against Trafficking, because we're all against trafficking. Uh, and it's a, it's a, a, a UN um, holiday that is meant to specifically, you know, uh, remember, discuss, have a day about trafficking, which is a insane, an insanely big and not discussed issue that is going on around the entire world. It's a very big issue here in the US. Um, there are so many different types of forms of trafficking and human trafficking. You have forced labor, you have servitude and slavery. But we are, in our panel that we're doing, which will be on all of our Instagrams, Vanessa, mine, and the two survivors, Melanie Thompson and Christiane Eduardo, we're doing a panel that is specifically discussing sex trafficking, which we have learned so much about by doing Saving Zoe, and we are continuing to learn so much about. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it was a little while ago, the year anniversary of Saving Zoe's release, which was a film that it took Laura and I and my mom 10 years to get off the ground, two years Amazing. to get released. It was incredible. Uh, you know, it was released in the U.S. in theaters and on demand, and it's actually in the U.S. on Netflix right now, which is awesome. And we really thought while we're all home right now and we feel like we should be doing something, we were like, okay, we can really be proactive right now and, and honor our film release, the year anniversary of it, in a way that acknowledges a huge portion of the film, which it deals with sexual exploitation, specifically online sexual exploitation. It deals with sex trafficking. And Laura and I found this when 
marketing the film is that people don't really want to talk about this issue. And Laura's absolutely correct. It's a lucrative industry. It's $99 billion a year. That's an estimate from the UN of how much money comes from commercial sexual exploitation. Uh, the US is one of the top source countries for uh, trading people, not just like bringing in people foreignly, but also uh, of their own citizens. Children, uh, you know, sexual exploitation has been reported in every single state in the US. This is a huge issue. It's totally happening. Uh, it disproportionately targets marginalized communities, whether that be people of color, LGBTQ, uh, immigrants, and we don't talk about it enough, oftentimes because it affects a community that we don't talk about things that affect them. But the thing that we all have to realize is we're all human beings. When something affects one of us, it affects all of us. I think we're seeing that right now in, in the place that we're in. And, and Laura and I felt like, okay, right now, it is so important to be having this conversation. So many people, especially so many young people, are doing so many amazing social activism things right now. Um, whether that be protesting, whether that just be raising awareness online, I think we're seeing this need for change, for people to talk about things. And Laura and I became incredibly passionate about this issue because of Saving Zoe, because of the survivors we met along the way. You know, this time last year, we went to the UN with Melanie Thompson, who's one of the survivors we're speaking with. She spoke so passionately and so articulately. We knew that we wanted to to have this conversation with her and and her and christian were so incredibly generous to speak about their story and bravely speak up because ultimately that's what they want to is is change what can you tell us about their stories because i think it's really important for those who are listening to truly understand that this can this can happen anywhere in america and it can happen to any young woman and it happens to children. So tell us about their stories because, you know, I just, as you said, people don't talk about this. They're not aware of it. They think, oh, that must be like something that happens in, you know, faraway places. And it's, uh, it's about getting kids to work in mines. No, it's totally. for sure. I, I think what's important to note is, um, it isn't our stories to tell and we are, very sensitive about what they wanted to share and what they want to put out. And they truly were so, so brave about talking about a variety of things. And I guess the two points I would say is that Melanie um, was trafficked, uh, I was going to say here in New York, but I'm in LA, but in New York. Um, when as a child. Yeah, when and Christian was trafficked as a male and actually a young adult. Um, and so at the panel, they obviously speak more to their experience. Um, like Laura said, we don't want to uh, tell their stories, um, but that is a big reason why we wanted to do the panel with survivors is because it's A, a firsthand account of what happened and B, it's debunking a lot of myths. I think a lot of people think it only happens to children. I think a lot of people think it only happens to women. And yes, women do make up 94, women and girls make up 94% of sexual exploitation uh, victims. Uh, but that means 6% are men and boys. And uh, we dive into this at the panel, we dive into, you know, reasons why people stay silent, reasons why this issue is overlooked. Um, it, it, it's it just, we dive into a lot. I think a lot. You know, we, we had, um, 
uh, Vanessa is just such a flipping rock star and had kind of this whole organized plan of like what the discussion was and everything. And, um, you know, we had questions that fans submitted that were actually really thoughtful and thought provoking questions. Um, and it, it went, we aimed to do it for like an hour, an hour and a half. It went uh, well over two hours. Um, it was three hours. It, yeah, it was yeah, it was, it was incredibly long, which was awesome and really, I think, powerful. And we get into a lot, we get into the grooming process, um, which I, I don't think our society knows much about. I, again, Bonnie, as you pointed out, we have these kind of misconceptions. A big thing that we also talk about is representation in media and in movies. You know, I think we think of trafficking as taken. It's you go to another country, you get kidnapped, and you're into the sex trade. It's, it's really most of the time not like that. The big, the word of the panel was insidious because it is so much more insidious than we think. There's two kind of types of grooming one, which is kind of the violent threatening, um, you know, you will do this blackmailing um, because I will hurt your family, I'll do this. But the other type is love and security, being a, a, um, um, a mode, a beacon of love and security and I'm, I'm here for you. I've given you this, but you're going to have to give me something in return. And I've, I've given you this amount of manipulation in the grooming process yeah. and, and going into, again, I think we think it can only happen in a certain way. And, and something else we dive into is how it happens online and how people may not realize it's happening online, you know, through DMing someone on social media, through, you know, agreeing to buy someone an upgrade in a video game when you're talking to a stranger. Like there, there's all these facets of it that we don't really associate. And a, a big thing that I want to get across that, that Melanie and Christian were so adamant about saying during the panel is if anyone has experienced exploitation or trafficking in any way, it is not your fault. A lot of the times the question is, why me? And what we have to realize is like, it has nothing to do with you. Because at the end of the day, the trafficker, the predator does not care about you. It is about them and it is about the money they are making because it is a lucrative industry. Well, and I think that, like, again, this can happen, like, parents don't realize it could be happening to their children in their, in their rooms, because it's all right. 100%. Right now, I think we've obviously become so passionate about this through Saving Zoe, but, um, and through working with this amazing organization, Equality Now, um, but through um, this time right now, because of COVID, because we're all at home, because we're all online, there is probably so much online sexual exploitation that is happening and that has increased dramatically because of us all being at home that Vanessa and I felt really And more isolated. Huh? Yes, yes, exactly. Also, you know, people are vulnerable right now. People are anxious, they're stressed, they're depressed, they're insecure. Um, you know, predators and traffickers take advantage of that. Um, but Vanessa and I felt so passionate about having to have this conversation now because truly people, our fans, other people of all ages could be in a very vulnerable position right now and not totally understand it. Mm -hmm. Melanie and Christian and um, I would say 
a lot of other survivors or people who've been through this, you know, they don't necessarily put the pieces together of them being trafficked until way after. It's like, it's a, it's a confusing thing where depending on the experience or the situation, they don't put it together until they hear about trafficking or they're starting to talk about it in therapy or talking to someone about it. And then all of a sudden it hits them. I've been trafficked. And your Saving Zoe, um, your film that took you 10 years to, to get produced and Hey, everyone's at home. It's on Netflix. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, that is about a young woman who was a traffic starting online, correct? Like that? Well, what's it, yeah, what's interesting about Saving Zoe is um, when Alison Noel, the fabulous author of the book, wrote it, uh, it was MySpace. And when she wrote it, she wrote it really out of concern because she was getting a lot of, of message. This is, you know, again, MySpace was the biggest form of social media. So on her website, she was getting a lot of messages from fans offering up a ton of information to her willingly. And she was very concerned. She was like, they don't know who I am. I could easily be taking advantage of the situation. Um, The book was greatly inspired by her own personal experience with grief, but that aspect of it really came from that. And and we've had this conversation with Allison a few times where she didn't even realize she was writing about exploitation because it wasn't talked about. this, this, This isn't something that has a name. In fact, online sexual exploitation, there is no legal definition for that particular type of exploitation. Um, There's a legal definition for sex trafficking, but not online sexual exploitation. And because of that, it's very difficult to combat. It's very difficult to get uh, cooperation on on, on the stories to, to really prove that a crime existed. But my character, Zoe, in the film, uh, befriends some older guys who are super, she thinks cool and interesting and finds herself in a situation where she is exploited online. And ultimately this leads to her being trafficked. Um, so you're, you're dealing with, with two issues that are separate yet are so connected, which is the aspect of that you can absolutely be exploited online and it not be trafficking, but it can easily turn into trafficking. So the real issue here is how do we avoid exploitation? How do we not brush it under the rug. And Laura and I feel very passionately that it's about having conversations about it. Obviously we have to make laws, obviously we have to make policies, but first and foremost, we have to talk about it. We have to give it a name. We have to spread awareness of how it happens and how easily it can happen to you. Exactly. And now I read that there was some legislation that the House of Representatives uh, created addressing some of these issues. However, the, the last thing I read is it's in the pile under Mitch McConnell's desk. We actually, Laura and I wrote an op-ed. Yeah, well, Laura and I wrote an op-ed for The Hill not, not quite a year ago, under a year ago, about this particular piece of legislation that um, Representative Karen Bass uh, brought forth into Congress that, by the way, was wildly agreed upon in the House. Uh, politicians on both sides of the political spectrum. I think only one representative voted against it. So right here you have a a bipartisan bill that again is not- Incredible. uh, Yeah, exactly, it's incredible. And it's also, by the way, not gonna solve everything, but it's a start. What Laura and I really appreciate about that particular bill is it's 
survivor informed. It really is talking about getting survivor informed solutions. Um, you know, both Melanie and Christiane have been doing amazing work as advocates. Um, Melanie specifically has been involved in certain policy changes. And, you know, again, in order to combat something, we have to understand it. No one understands it better than survivors. And oftentimes we want to silence them. Oftentimes we want to invalidate their experiences. You know, there's so much controversy and debate about this issue that happens online. And sometimes we just need to shut up and listen. And it is unfortunate that a bill that again is bipartisan <laughs> is sitting on the Senate floor right now. Uh, and it's being used as uh, you know, a political chess piece in this moment. Um, I believe Mitch McConnell said that he considers himself the grim reaper of progressive. Oh, he said that, yes. And he's yeah. laughed about it. He's yeah, and, and that's nothing to laugh about. That's nothing to laugh about that saying, I'm not going to look at a bill in the Senate just because it comes from the progressive side of the spectrum, we should all be against trafficking. We should all be looking to put different resources towards how we handle trafficking. I think right now, especially as we're having a conversation about reimagining police, reimagining law enforcement, reimagining everything politically and legally, you know, this is an issue that we need to talk about how it is dealt with. Something that's mentioned in the panel is how often trafficking gets lumped into other sexual violence crimes. And when we do that, we start almost diminishing sexual violence because it isn't trafficking. It's like it has to be trafficking for it to be terrible. And vice versa, we'll start diminishing trafficking because it, it doesn't look like rape. So then it's not considered you know, non-consensual, even though there's a variety of different factors that can contribute to the fact that somebody is coerced or forced into do and something. A lot of minors are, are and a lot of minors are trafficked. A hundred percent. And that's the, the issue. It's like, we really do need to think about, you know, what different aspects of law and policy are addressing these issues specifically. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Uh, what would you advise um, are the people who read Hollywood Life and who are listening to this and watching this, what are the signs that, so that they can be aware both for themselves to not get drawn in, because I do agree, this is a very vulnerable time and people are online even more than ever, the signs themselves and also to watch out for, for the people that they care about. Yeah, so we, we actually do talk about this in the panel, um, and it's a bit of like a multifaceted question. I would say some of the big headlines would be for yourself, um, if you're online and someone that you do not know, maybe or, even Or do you know, know. Yeah. yeah. Or do know. Yeah. Um, you know, offers to... Uh, do something for you in exchange for something in exchange for, you know, cause it can start subtle. It can start not 
being right directly, um, you know, exploiting your body. It can, it can kind of start very, very small. But it can literally start as simply as, do you need help getting to that next level on this video game we're both playing? Can it you can start as small as that. Can you send a selfie of yourself? Like, can you send a photo of yourself? You know, just like a, a something, something that small can then all of a sudden start developing into something more intense and more extreme and unfortunately can go into online sexual exploitation and, and sex trafficking, potentially. So um, looking out for those signs, you know, again, predators and traffickers, they're insanely smart. They know what they're doing. They look at people on social media, let's say, um, who are saying, I feel really insecure today. I feel ugly. I feel these kinds of different things. And they'll offer words of like, oh, I think you're really beautiful. And send me another photo of yourself. I think you're so beautiful. You know, again, these things, unfortunately, especially when it comes from strangers, I think you have to uh, tread that water and, and almost assume it's sinister um, because I think you're safer that way than vice versa, assuming it's... Uh, genuine and a safe situation. Um, meanwhile, for other people in your life, I, I think it's a little bit harder to tell with adults, with children, if um, it's also hard to tell with children because children, it could be a, a wide variety of things. It could be, um, you know, something from like this person, my friend doesn't like me anymore to I'm having, you know, an inappropriate, relationship with someone like it, it's such a wide variety of kids reactions they kind of react similarly they're crying they're sad they're angry um, or disconnected i mean that's that was something i think across the board that was said um and again there what's so hard about this issue is there's really no clear cut way it's not so black and white to be like do this and you won't get exploited do this and you'll know if someone's getting exploited um, but across the board, there was this, this um, conversation about how your head goes down, you stop looking people in the eye, you are maybe not hanging out with the same group of friends that you're usually hanging out with as an adult or as a child. Um, I think one thing that was stated was if you feel that something is off with a friend of yours, talk to them, ask them if they're okay. Um, and and that unfortunately is is the most you can do but at the same time that's a huge thing letting someone know that you're there for them letting someone know that you care and asking if they are okay even if they aren't being exploited or trafficked and are just dealing with a variety of different feelings and, and mental health situations right now i think we could all use that kindness of of wondering if our fellow person is okay and, and I think on top of that point, um, but adding to the kind of overall question, I think parents having conversations with your kids and I, and I, well, we also talked about in the panel and we also um, have these discussions when Savings Zoe came out, we were doing some screenings is I don't recommend to parents just banning social media or banning gaming or banning anything like that, because unfortunately you're going to lose the trust of your child and your kid's going to do it anyway, if we're just going to be blunt and transparent. Also, I mean, it's, it's part of our, our communication. It's part of, of, of life right now. That's why it's used to target people is because it's so ingrained in our zeitgeist. And that, unfortunately, is how exploitation uh, continuously evolves. 
uh, a predator will always use what is prevalent uh, in our community, whether it be communication, whether it be um, where you are physically in the world. Like it's just, they are always going to use the ever changing, the ever changing tools to their advantage. And Laura is absolutely right. If you start getting into a situation where you're like, there's no Instagram in this house, there's no gaming that is not realistic because that's not the world we live in. And also you are then creating a distrust with your, your child and you're creating a complete cutoff of communication. We get it. It's a hard issue to talk about. Um, especially with with children. Um, you know, there's so much innocence that you want to protect around a child. Um, Laura and I recommended that you do start with, with younger children saying, just as you would, by the way, back in the day when it was like, if a stranger offers you candy, you run. But it's that mentality, but that mentality has to be addressed to not just the white van perspective of it all. It's not just a stranger. It's a loved one. It's a teacher. It's and it's, the big thing for us is like maybe starting that conversation saying if to a kid, if someone tells you to not tell me your parents. Good point. Really good that point. That is something you should tell me. Yeah. That I think is a huge sign. If a stranger 100%. or again someone you know is telling you do not tell your parent about this. And you, and you feel very uncomfortable. You have to trust your body, body. You have to trust your gut. Tell your parent. Mm -hmm. 100%. Excellent. Excellent advice. Now, there's, there's another issue that is very timely that you two also feel very passionately about, we understand, and that is voting. Getting out and voting on November 3rd. Why do you feel that it's so important to vote? I feel like we are, as a society and, and as young people, we are finding our way with how to make a difference, right? There are, and there are actually a wide variety of things we can do. Using our voice in social media is an incredible way. Um, protesting is an incredible way. Uh, but obviously we're not in Congress. We're not in the government to make you know, exact policy changes. And so our best way of making policy changes, of having the world that we envision in, in the US or globally, I think this is a global thing as well, um, is voting, is voting for local representatives, for state representatives, and of course, for national representatives, including president. And I think what we have to remember too is, you know, it's a privilege to vote, but it's also a right. It's a right that people fought for. 2020 marks a hundred years of women being able to vote. And that's an anniversary. And that's only white women. That's you know right. what I mean? And it's, there's so many people, John Lewis recently passing away was one of the many people who fought for the right to vote. And- his life for the right to vote. Exactly. And at the end of the day, like, there's a reason people fought so hard for this. And by the way, there's a reason people don't want you to vote. There's a reason people want you to believe, oh, you live in a blue state, it's just gonna go blue. Oh, you live in a red state, it's just gonna go red. Your vote doesn't matter. There's a reason why. Because voting puts power back in the hands of the people and can enact change. And I think people get lost in the sea of like just the president. And yes, it's extremely important to vote for the president. 
but it's extremely important to vote for your mayor. It's extremely too, um, important to vote for judges. It's extremely important to vote for your attorney general. And it's not easy. A lot of information is not out there on local voting, on state voting. It's hard to find that information. Again, there's a reason why that's hard. And the thing is, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult to do your research. Yes, it's difficult to be educated, but it's so worthwhile because people fought for this right for a reason. We have this right. Laura's absolutely right. We can complain, we can speak up, we can use our social media to be like, I'm so upset at the world right now. And there are a variety of different ways to make changes and speaking up is one of them, but voting is a huge aspect of that because you're voting for people who represent your interests and you're voting for the world that you want. And for all the people who've been out, out all across the nation voting in the Black Lives Matter protests and want systemic change and want changes in how police um, treat all people and especially people of color, it's in that case, it's very much the local people that you elect, the mayor, the, the town or city council, the uh, attorney uh, general, the, the, the DA, the DA, the district, district attorney. attorney, the district attorney for your area because they're the people that hire the police departments and fund the police departments. It's not actually at the federal level. Now, the president can set the tone and there is some money and there's a lot the federal government can do, but it really is affected on the local level. So it does make a huge difference. And sometimes it's only a matter of like 10 votes, like one vote that can make a difference in who wins. And this narrative that your vote doesn't matter and that unless you live in a swing state, your vote's not going to make a difference, again, is a narrative that is created really to entice voter suppression in, in a way. It, it, your vote does matter. It doesn't matter where you live. Your vote does matter. And you matter. And, and the people who fought for your right to vote, honor them by voting. 100%. I think that that's, you know, it's so important too. And this is a very, very important election. And, but, you know, and every election is important because it's going to take, honestly, years of elections to make the difference. The well, kind of, to tear down systemic racism is going to take, it took like 400 years since the start of slavery to build up. I mean, there, there's so many facets to it too. I mean, I always go back to, again, it being 100 years that women are able to vote. And again, that only being white women. And, and if we look at the, the history behind it, there were so many women who were against their right to vote. There were so many women who were like, we don't want the right to vote. We don't want the world to change. And again, one would assume that that narrative was being pushed by people who did not want women to have a voice. And that women were at that moment in time pleading against their best interest because of this narrative that had been created that the world is gonna get scary if it changes. One of the best things about America is it is constantly changing. And I think we all have to acknowledge as human beings, nationally and globally, we're not perfect. We're always 
going to be evolving and we have to make forward progress. We have to make change. You know, there's a saying that I believe goes along the lines of like, you do your best until you know better. And once you know better, you have to do better. Great saying. Well, this has been so fantastic to talk to both of you. Glad that you are healthy, doing well, your families are healthy. And we want to remind everybody, July 30th, and I hope I don't leave any words out, World Against Trafficking Day. Trafficking Day, okay. World Day Against Trafficking. World Day, I don't know why it's written down. World Day Against Trafficking. Against Trafficking is the most important part of it. Against. <laughs> against, that it is against trafficking. And now the panel that you're going to do that's going to be on your Instagrams, do you know what time of day so that anybody, everybody who's listening to this can come to your Instagrams and watch the panel? You know, we know it's going to be in the afternoon. We haven't set a time, I think, quite yet. But now, we also haven't set a time to cover the fact that uploading it may take a little bit of time. Um, what I will say, though, is because the panel went so well, uh, we're in the process right now uh, of cutting it up into like 20-minute and 30-minute segments that we will probably be airing all weekend on our channels. Okay. Um, yeah. so, and, so come to your Instagrams. Come to our Instagrams on July 30th. And there will and be ongoing because you're going to leave it up there. Oh yeah, it's that's yeah. I think one of the best things. Uh, you know, we've talked about the negativity of online, but I think this is a wonderful thing about online is totally. we can post it and it's going to stay up there for people to watch whenever. Oh, and everybody can watch Saving Zoe on Netflix. And my one last question: um, Where can where can people go for help if they feel that they are being exploited or they feel that they are being trafficked? Is Equality Now the organization that they should go to? Well, Equality Now is a fantastic organization that we work with a lot on Saving Zoe. Um, they're a human rights organization. They're a group of lawyers. So they take on cases pertaining to uh, women and children equality issues, trafficking being a huge one. But if you are experiencing trafficking or exploitation, uh, I would advise going to the National Trafficking Hotline. Uh, there's also an organization called RAIN, which is spelled R A. I-I-N. R-A-I-N-N. Uh, Thank No, no, no. Wait. Yes? yes? Let's do that again. There's an organization called RAIN that is spelt R-A-I-N-N. Uh, also, the, uh, the National uh, Center for Missing and Exploited Children is a great one. And, um, and yes, they only deal with children and teens. Um, however, there's a lot of resources on there. Um, to be used specifically for online sexual exploitation. And there's also StopSextortion.com. Uh, and all of these places have phone numbers, text numbers, live chats. Uh, you know, th there's a variety of places to go for help. Uh, and I would think also when you watch the panel, uh, Melanie and Christian are incredible activists who are doing a lot within their own community. Uh, so following them is also a great um, option as well to, to figure out different places to go to and, and different people to talk to. Great. Well, when we write up the stories that will accompany this, we will, Ali will also put those organizations and how to reach them, the hotline number. Perfect. I can also send that to you because I have to send it to the, the, the PR people. 
Okay, fantastic. Okay, so that we can be actively telling people where to go and get help. Yes. Um, this has been so wonderful talking to you. And um, please stay safe and healthy and social distance and keep wearing your mask. I know you will. We will look forward to watching uh, your panel. Thank you. July 30th and ongoing. And we look forward to the time we'll be able to see you in person. I know. Hopefully. I know, someday in two years. <laughs> in two years when we're all vaccinated. <laughs> I know. Bye, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye, Allie. <laughs>